You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, Jewish service provider who was very honest, uh, very took care of things very well, and uh, he was very appreciative of the uh, the fellow's good work and his honesty and all of that. And he wanted to go ahead and leave him a positive review, an online review, a Yelp review, or wherever you go ahead and you leave a Google review somewhere on there. And he wondered whether or not he's allowed to do so, being that the service provider was not Jewish. And so I said, as we're going to see, what, what's the Shiloh related to that? So the Shiloh related to that, as we'll see, it comes back, it's, it, it's something which comes from the Gemara, but the Tzitz Eliezer was asked a similar type of Shiloh. Okay, there you go. A similar type of Shiloh. And the Shiloh that the Tzitz Eliezer was asked, remember the Tzitz Eliezer, or Belezer Yehuda Waldenberg, was uh, a, a great posig from the uh, from the uh, uh, this uh, a generation ago or so, and he went ahead. One of the things which uh, uh, which made him uh, particularly prominent in terms of his uh, psakim is the fact that he was the rav in Shari Tzedek Hospital, and he was very close with a number of the from doctors who were there. So almost anything which is medical, so he had the best medical uh, advisory team. Uh, which could be uh, assembled to go ahead and address those uh, those things. So those who are uh, have an interest in medical ethics. So certainly the uh, the name of the work, the Nishma Savram, uh, Doctor Abraham Sofer uh, Abraham is uh, is his name. So he was somebody who uh, published himself very uh, frequently, and he was very close with the Tzitz Eliezer. And he asked him. He said that uh, being that there is a restriction, as we will see, about uh, praising uh, non-Jews or idolaters, nine Jews. So if somebody uh, wants to go ahead and write a positive review of uh, a doctor's submission to a medical journal, is that, or, is that allowed or is that not allowed? So that was the question which was posed to the Tzitz Eliezer. And he went ahead and he, uh, so he addressed that Shaila. So we will go ahead and we will begin with, um, here you have the, uh, the, the source of it from the uh, the psukim and the gemara, and we'll see. First, we have to actually work on whether it is a shaila in the first place or not, and then once we determine that it's a shaila, so then we'll have to see: is there a resolution? Is there a, an answer for this, which is going to uh, which will allow or perhaps not allow uh, so giving such reviews? So it begins with parshas veschan uh, and ekev. So it's the end of parshas of and really. So Pasuk says, this is source number one over here. The, 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 the uh, sources are on the screen, your screen. So it says, Now it's talking specifically, and I'm going to emphasize this just because we're going to see it in a moment, uh, uh, shortly. But it's talking about the as the Jewish people enter into the land of Canaan, the land of Eretz Yisrael. And obviously they're going to be met by the seven indigenous, indigenous nations who reside there. So Hashem promises, or Moshe Rabbeinu tells Klal Hashem is going to give them before you, v'kisem, and you will uh, uh, be victorious over them, hacharim tacharim osam, and you will take all of their spoils and whatnot, lo sichros, and then here comes the, the main thing for us, lo sichros lembris, don't go ahead and make a covenant with them, you have to destroy them, annihilate them, get them out of the land, and there's no covenant to allow them to stay, and you are not allowed to, and as we're going to see, this has various uh, uh, understandings, 
One is allow them to retain residence in the land of Eretz Yisrael when you're trying to conquer it. That is one of them. The one for us, as we're going to see, is to go ahead and you see the word in the middle of that word, sechaneim. So you have the letters ches and nun. Chain is going to, we're going to translate as praise. So to go ahead and give them praise, to extol them and, and whatnot. So that is something which is, uh, is what the Pasuk is referring to. So now, what exactly? So this Pasuk, lo sechaneim, that's the main thing is lo sechaneim. So what does that refer to? So for this, we have a definition in the Gemara in Avodah Zara. This is Gemara in Avodah Zara, So we're in the midst of darshaning different things related to this phrase. That you're not allowed to go ahead and we're just going to translate it crudely as to give them praise. What does it mean to give them praise? So So this idea that you're not allowed to praise the non-Jews would seem to be a support for Rav. Rav is Rav taught. Person is not allowed to walk down the street take note of a beautiful, idolatrous woman and comment to the person that you're walking with, hey, isn't that a beautiful, idolatrous woman? So that's what Rav says. So Rav says, declares that this is something which is Asr. And, uh, uh, and uh, that's going to be the, one of the definitions of Los Tachaneim is going at and praising a, a, an idolater or a non-Jew. Swar so says, wait a minute over here. How could you possibly tell me that there's an Isser involved in that? We have an incident. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, uh, back in the uh, the pre-art school biography days. So you have our uh, bi- biographical uh, vignettes which appear in Shas. So Shim Gamliel is one standing on the stairs of Harabayas. And he noticed, he saw a particularly beautiful idolatrous woman. And what was his comment when he saw that? I don't know who he's commenting to. But Amar, he said, He says, how great is your handiwork, is your creation Hashem. So obviously he was extolling the fact that she was a beautiful uh, woman. So how is Rav going to go ahead and explain that if he holds that it's an Isidar Isa? And not only that, I don't think it's a one-time incident in Jewish history. This is the more famous one. Rebbe Kiva Ra Eishas Tunus Rufus Harasha. So Rabbi Kiva sees the wife of Tunis Rufus Harasha, so I try saying his name three times fast. And what was Rabbi Kiva's response when he sees the wife of Tunis Rufus? So he said, Rak Sachak Ubacha. He spit, he laughed, and then he cried. That was his reaction. That would be like a whole TikTok, uh, where you go ahead and you see these three reactions from him, one right after the other. So the Gemara now explains what was the basis of his reaction. It wasn't assumed that this was an unconscious reaction. The Gemara, we're assuming now that this was a conscious reaction which he had. So the Gemara explains, Rock, the reason why he spit was because he was acknowledging that she comes from the, uh, the same place that the rest of us come from. In the sense that she came from a tipa she came from a putrid drop. Then, Sachak, why did he laugh? Rebbe Kiva had some sort of nevuah or something that she would eventually convert and that he was going to marry her. She didn't realize that at the time. She was still married to Tunis Rufus, but he was going to marry her. And then Bacha, and then he cried, the high shufra bale afra, because the, the tremendous beauty that this woman possessed 
is eventually going to go back to the dust, the same as all of us non-beautiful people are going to end up back in the, in the dust. So that was his reaction. But clearly what was going on is that he was acknowledging that, uh, that she was a beautiful woman. He was, uh, he was cognizant of that. And he seemed to be, uh, here it doesn't say Rabbi Kiva said anything, but clearly it's, uh, it, it's an acknowledgement of the beauty of this idolatrous woman. So how could Rav say that such a thing is Asr if Rav is responding in a way which indicates that he was taken by her beauty? So what does Rav say to that? Rav, what does he say? That, he, that the, both of these instances, Rabbi Shem Gamliel and Rabbi Kiva, were not praising the beauty of these women which they saw per se, but rather what they were doing is they were acknowledging the greatness of Hashem's creation. Mar, like the Brisa teaches, if you see beautiful creations of Hashem, including beautiful people, Omer, there's a bracha that you recite to praise God for that. Blessed is the one who created such things in his world. So it wasn't that as if he was praising the idolatrous, it wasn't as if either one of them, were praising the idolatrous woman's beauty. They were thanking Hashem for having created such beautiful things. It's a nice lumdish uh, thumb that you got to take out in order to go ahead and, uh, and, and draw the line between praising the idolatrous woman and praising Hashem for having created such a beautiful idolatrous woman. But the Gemara seems comfortable with that idea, and this is going to play a role later on in the, in the Shiloh. So the Gemara remains, however, what's significant for us at the moment is that the Gemara remains with this premise, with the accepting Rav's ruling, that the, the Pasuk Lo Sechanim says you're not allowed to praise an idolater. And in fact, this is something which is codified in the Rambam. The Rambam goes ahead and mentions, here you have it in source three. He says, in Hilchaz he says, you're not allowed to go ahead and recount praises of non-Jews. Even something as simple as just to say, what a beautiful appearance, what a beautiful figure this idolatrous person has. And that's Asr. And certainly to go ahead and praise their actions, or, and this is going to be significant, to go ahead and extol the value of their words, i.e., to say that their submission to the medical journal is a wonderful thing. So seemingly that's going to be included, that's being Mechavev, that's endearing their words to others. Shenemar, and what's the basis of this prohibition? Shenemar v'lo sechanim, that you're not allowed to go ahead and lo sechanim means lo yelehem chen be'inecha that they, they and their behaviors and their words should not find favor in your eyes. That you shouldn't be looking fondly or positively in terms of any of those things. Why? What's the concern? Explains the Ram. And the reason why you don't want to start praising the idolater for their behavior for their appearance or for their words, is because this will want you, you'll, you'll seek to attach to them. People want to attach and connect with things which they like. And therefore, people are going to want to attach to them. The And eventually you will adopt their ways. You'll learn their ways and you may end up adopting their idolatrous behaviors. And therefore you have to stay away from that altogether because this becomes a very dangerous uh, a very dangerous road to embark on because before you know it, you may end up, uh, you know, who knows where in doing who knows what.
Rabbi, I, I, am, am I misunderstanding? Are the, both of the last two sources seem to be implying that it's legislating thoughts, even if you don't take any action. And I, I, if that's what it's saying, it seems problematic. Um, no, I'm going to say that it's going to be it's going to be lesaper. Right, the Rambam mentioned the word lesaper, also lesaper, bafilu lomar, even to say. So I think in all of these instances. It's going to be something which a person is verbalizing. Rabbi Shaffel, I, I have a different problem with this. And this is speaking about Avodat Kochavim, right? Um, so we're going to see as we go on. I mean, Sometimes, very often. If you're talking about a, a journal article and writing a review of a journal article. I mean, unless you're a close friend or associate of this person, you don't know what what they are. And, and don't we have, uh, I think the same Rambam is also the one that um, is telling us that certain non-Jews are not uh, considered Ovdei Kochavim uh, because they, uh, you know, they're not. And the, the Christians of that time, certainly Catholicism, but, but not everybody. So I, especially because he himself has said that, I would think that would be a very serious problem. Right. So I'm, 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 you're, you're absolutely correct. I, I will add to your question. I hear your question and I, and I raise you one because uh, everybody knows that the Rambam went ahead and he was not shy about praising Aristotle in his philosophy. So the Rambam, who himself is codifying this as being a prohibition, he himself seemingly violated his own his own prohibition, not his prohibition, but what he codified as a prohibition, he seems to have violated that uh, 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 himself. So we're go we're going to work towards that. But for for right now, what I would tell you as a way of uh, you know smoke and mirrors of of of, mis uh, of redirecting you is that we know that very often in Chazal they will use the word avodas uh, kochavim, but that's not necessarily the terminology which Chazal themselves use. They may have used uh, the term goy or the Torah term umosa olam and when the christians were overseeing the printing press and whatnot so they got offended by anything which they perceived was a slight or an attack to them so as a way of making the christians more comfortable with the publication of shas and midrashim and sifre chazal they would change many things to Ovdeya so that the christians would say oh that's not us that's those ancient people who worship tons and tons of gods and therefore they wouldn't be offended and they allowed the uh, the printing of it to go through so many times, uh, those, ter those different terms, all the different terms which we have, the synonymous terms that we have for non-Jews, so it's hard to know which ones were meant specifically for Obdei Avodah and which ones are going to be meant generally for non-Jews. So I'm going to tell you for right now that we're referring generally to non-Jews. Yeah, di didn't the Rambam himself consider Christians to be Ovde Kochavim? Um, yes, I mean Catholics, yeah. Those who you know had the uh, the uh, the Trinity, Trinity already uh, crosses the line, a different type of line. So now, in case you think we'll go ahead and you'll try and pinpoint this just on the Rambam who says that we pass in this way, so this makes its way into Shulchan Aruch as well. So here, Shulchan Aruch says, uh, this is in the Yeridea Simen Kufnet Al Sif Yudalit. The Shulchan Aruch says, also the Sapper B'Shuv Chan Shel You're not allowed to recount. Praises of idolaters, non-Jews. Even to say, 
what a beautiful appearance this idolater has. And certainly to praise their behavior or to endear yourself to their words or their ideas. Now here comes a line which Shulchan Aruch adds in, which the Rambam did not mention, which also is going to play a significant uh, role in the final halacha. And this is really what comes out of the Gemara, that if your uh, um, the discussion of the idolater's appearance or their words or their ideas are being recounted by you as a means of praising God, saying God created these beautiful people or created such wonderful ideas, which, you know, let's say Aristotle went ahead and was able to, uh, to verbalize, but ultimately it's a praise of God. who created such a beautiful person, mutter. So then it's going to be permitted. So suddenly we're now seeing a, a, a potential for leniency that there are sometimes when the praise of the idolater is going to be absolutely prohibited, perhaps even in Isra and there are some times that it's going to be permitted, and it seems to be from Shulchan Aruch, it's all going to revolve around what's your intent when you are recounting the, uh, their good deeds, their nice appearance, or anything of that. Do you mean to praise them, or do you mean to praise God? Okay. Now, so there, we're dealing, so this is the background to explain why the person who called me was concerned about a potential isser that he, uh, that he may be violating in the event that he was going to leave a positive Yelp or Google review for this non-Jewish service provider who, whatever the, uh, whatever the service was, I didn't even ask him what the service was. Now, along uh, your, the approach which you, uh, which you mentioned about, in terms of maybe this is something which we should limit, to not necessarily all non-Jews, but maybe has a limited scope in terms of its application. So the Torah Tamima actually makes that such makes that suggestion. So in his commentary to the on the pasuk over there, but it's the commentary to the Chumash. So he says, this is in the, that that pasuk over there. So Torah Tamima says, You're not allowed to sell a uh, uh, these uh, the seven indigenous nations, people from the seven indigenous nations, you're not to sell them houses or fields in Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because you don't want them to take up residence in the land. Right now we're in the Shemitah year, so a significant debate which would go revolves around the Shemitah year is this idea of Heter where the Jewish farmers sell their farm to the non-Jew, and then they're really working the non-Jew's farm rather than their own. In one of the oppositions to that practice is this idea of losachanim, who says you're allowed to sell land, you're allowed to sell farmland to non-Jews that they should now own property in Eretz Yisrael. That itself may be something which is uh, which is also, but that's not our issue right now. And then shim lo yelem, because if you don't give them permanent residence, you don't sell them a house. So then shim lo yelem tia yeshivasam yeshivasaroi. So then their presence in Eretz Yisrael will by definition be temporary. It's only so long you can stay at a motel. It's only so long you're going to stay at a hotel. At some point, you're going to want to move on and go back to whatever, wherever you consider your home. So an effort to make sure that Eretz Yisrael is going to be populated by Jews and not these idolaters, not the people from the seven indigenous, indigenous nations. So we go ahead and don't give them, uh, don't allow them to purchase land. Now, here comes the part which he says, the Ayri, this pasuk is b'shiva amamim. This pasuk is referring specifically to people from the seven nations: Kanani, Prizi, Yevusi, Girgashi, all of those people. 
which is the simple reading. If you look at the context of the Psukim, it's clearly talking about when you're going in there and you're going to meet the opposition of the seven nations who are there. So the, the uh, which says, that's the previous Pasuk. And the Torah to me says, not only is the prohibition against selling land limited to the seven nations, and it doesn't include the French or the Germans or the Italians or the uh, Iceland people. So it doesn't include people from there. So too, uh, it's uh, the other prohibition the Torah Tamima asserts is also going to be limited. This passage of praising is not even, this is even more narrow than you suggested, Bob. It's not even going to be limited to idolaters. It's limited to only people from the seven nations. So that's the way the Torah to me, Torah to me wants to limit this prohibition of los lechanim. It, it only applies, it doesn't, it, it not only does not apply to non-Jews in general, it doesn't even apply to uh, idolaters in general. It's limited to people from the seven nations. Those are the people you're not allowed to praise. Those are the people you're not allowed to be mechavev dvarv. You're not allowed to endear their words, specifically because we wanted the Jewish people to enter into the land of, uh, of Eretz Yisrael take it over and it should be a Jewish land and you shouldn't have any uh, idolatrous or non-Jewish influence which is there. And since these are the people who were indigenous to the land, so they would have a tendency to want to stay. And therefore the uh, Hashem said, uh, had to, uh, commanded that we go out of our way and make sure that they should not be able to take up residence in the land of Eretz Yisrael. So this is a chiddish of the Torah Tumima. Uh, we won't see it inside, but the uh, Tzitzit Eliezer rejects this out of hand. He says that from the time of the Pasuk, 2448, or maybe 2488, until the Torah Tamima came along at the end of the 19th century. So nobody went ahead and understood this prohibition as being limited to the seven nations. The Rambam didn't mention that. The Shochanach didn't mention that. The commentators on the Shochanach didn't mention that. So it's a nice thought, perhaps, that the, uh, the Torah Tamima, it's a nice limitation that the Torah Tamima would like to add to this restriction. But, in, uh, uh, but um, since nobody previous to the Torah Tamima had such a, an understanding of this prohibition, so the uh, Tzitz Eliezer says, we're not going to be able to be lenient just based on that. I, I, you oh. know, I, I, I'm not positive about this, but I believe that, that, that this Lotich uh, name, I believe it's uh, in the same paragraph there with the Yisra of Lotich Bam. And, right. and, and certainly Lotit Chatein Bam, everybody agrees, applies to it, all of the non-Jews, not, not just the seven nations. Um, so maybe at some point we will do uh, 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 a share on that. I have to come up, I have to figure out some good uh, question, Halach Al-Maisa, as far as that is concerned. But there, there's, if I remember correctly, there is a Machlokas Tanoim about the scope of that Isra of Lotit Chatein Bam. What exactly it is? I was actually looking for that the other day. It was relevant for to, with to something we were doing in the, in Morning Seder. Uh, uh, sadly, I have uh, I don't have it uh, yet on my computer from uh, um, uh, the TI course I taught a number of years ago. I have to find my my notebooks uh, and see exactly where that is. Okay, so now we begin our search for a heter. So now that we've established that there's a potential isser involved, so now we can begin to search for what uh, may may be allowed. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the commentary of the Ran on Masechus Gittin. So here you see the Gemara makes the declaration, the source seven over here. 
So if somebody goes in and frees, this is a non-Jewish slave, so they violate in say. Pasuk says that they're going to molam behemta vodu, that they're going to work for you forever. So that Pasuk, the Gemara understands, means that if you free a slave, so you violated a positive command. The command is that they should work for you forever, and by you freeing them and they're not going to work for you, that's a violation. So says the Ran. Um, Okay, says, read it quickly. He says, Mashma, Dalava say Gamarhu. He says, this isn't really a violation of a true assay. The Gemara Parchina, because the Gemara asks, if you read the rest of the, the Gemara over there, it asks, Mesive, how could you say it's Asr to free a non Jewish slave? Uh, those who have the experience in small shoals, so you know the temptation to do so. So it happened once Erbelezer goes into Shul. It was a, this is the original Corona in the time of Rebelezer, and he did, there was nine people there for the minion, and he had a, there was a non-Jewish slave who was present. So a non-Jewish slave doesn't count towards the minion. So you've got nine guys, they're looking for a center, they're looking for the tent, and there is no tent there, all you have is a non-Jewish slave, and avdo So he went ahead and he freed his slave, once the non-Jewish slave becomes freed, so he now becomes Jewish, and now it's like creating a center. Everybody said, where's the center going to show up from? And he went ahead and made it out of his slave. And so the Gemara asks, how, so how can you tell me that it's Asr to go ahead and free a slave when Rebelezer did so just to make a minion? So Mefarkina, the Gemara answers, Mitzvah Shani, that being that he had an ulterior motive why he wanted to do so, and the ulterior motive was a mitzvah motive, because he wanted to be able to daven with a, a minion, chazar sashats, and answering Yehishmei Rabbah and Baruchu. So being that he did so in order to do a mitzvah, so that allows you to go ahead and free that slave. Now, points out the Ran, the Asay Gamarhu, now if you were talking about a true prohibition, a true Asay, that you're not allowed to free the slave, how could you override a, an assay of the Torah in order to make a minion. There would be no allowed the, in the hierarchy of things, in the rock, paper, scissors of halacha, you wouldn't be allowed to go ahead and free a slave just to go ahead and make a minion. That wouldn't be enough. So it must be that it's not really an assay. Then he says, some people say, that when the Torah says that they have to work for you forever, is el mishum is only, now this is where it swings around to our discussion, is only because you're not allowed to give a non-Jew a, another uh, application of lo is to give a non-Jew a gift. Maybe when we get closer to the holiday season, we'll talk about giving your mailman uh, a gift for uh, appreciation of the fact that he actually gave you your mail rather than just leaving it in the truck somewhere or giving it to a neighbor of yours. Like we say by idolaters that lo now and now we say the Kevendika mitzvah. Once the reason why Rebbe Lezer freed the slave was for the sake of a mitzvah in order to make a minion, la mishum chanina did He wasn't trying to do a favor for the non-Jewish slave by freeing him. It was completely self-motivated. It was out of his own interest that he went ahead and did so. El atzmo. It was out of personal interest. And it's as if he went ahead and he did a favor to himself. So here the Ran is now introducing us to the idea that although there may be instances where there are prohibitions against doing something for an idolater, in the event that you are doing, superficially you're doing something for the idolater, 
whether it's freeing him from slavery or whether it's praising him or talking about his good deeds, if your interest in doing so is for your own self-interest, you want to be nice to the mailman because you want him to continue delivering the mail. So you know that by giving him this gift, that's going to make him feel appreciation and he'll do a better job of delivering the, uh, the mail or whatnot. So that's not considered to be giving the idolater a gift. That's really completely self-serving. So when you're doing it out of self-serving motivations, so that is something which is heter number one, which, uh, which, the, uh, which the, uh, we, we, we take from the Ron. And the same thing can be true with regards to praise. And another thing which we're going to, another, so that's heter number one as we're going to see. And then number two comes from the Gemara and Brachos. So the Gemara and Brachos tells us also a fascinating thing. It's interesting that it's the same Rebbe Kiva. We say over here, Tanya, this is in Brachos, Dav Chesam Abeis. Am Rebbe Kiva, Rebbe Kiva says, There are three things about the Madai people which I really love and I really, uh, I praise. It's something which I am very fond of and I'm appreciative of. That is, what are the three things which they do, which Rabbi Kiva uh, thought was noteworthy, and he was uh, he, he uh, uh, was praiseworthy. Number one is when they cut a piece of meat, so they go ahead and they do it on the table rather than in their hand. If you do it in your hand, you may end up cutting your hand, and then you get blood all over the meat, and that's ichi. So before they had cutting boards, so the fact that they cut meat on the table, so Rabbi Kiva said, I appreciate that. Kishinoshkin, when they kiss one another as a greeting, Enoshkin El Al Gabayad, not very uh, uh, COVID friendly, but they would go ahead and they wouldn't kiss him on the face, they kissed their hand. I guess hand is better than face, maybe, but they, they didn't kiss him on the face, they went ahead and they kissed him on the hand. Ukishiyoatsin, and when they go ahead and they want to take uh, advice from one another, they consult with the, another. And Yotzin El Basada, they make sure to do so in the field, meaning in private where nobody is there to listen. And along these lines, Amravadabarava, my crow, what's the passage which says that when consulting with somebody about private matters, go far away because the walls have ears? So that is Vishach Yaakov Eltsono. When Yaakov wanted to consult with Rachel and Leah to make the decision to leave Lavan's home. He didn't do so in their home where Lavan is just on the other side of the wall or somebody else would be on the other side of the wall or through the vents, I think, as my kids figured out, that you could listen to things <laughs> through the vents and whatnot. So it wasn't uh, that type of, uh, so you, it would be a risk to go ahead and do so in the house where people could, uh, could uh, be listening. So therefore, Yaakov went ahead and made sure to consult out in the field in the middle of nowhere where there's no walls and nobody could be hiding and listening. So that's three things that Rabbi Kiva was fond of the Madai people, practices which they had. So here he is praising the Madai people, non-Jews, for practices which they did. Tanya, and another bride, Sa'am Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel also says, There are three things about the Persians, which I love. When they eat, they do so in a modest manner, in a private manner. When they use the facilities, also they do so in a private sanua matter, in a modest matter. And they're also modest in terms of marital relations. So what do we have over here? We have, once again, two Tanaim, Rebbe Kiva and Rebbe Gamliel, praising non-Jews for behaviors which they did. Ah, didn't we say that praising non-Jews is absolutely usher? Rob said that you're not allowed to go ahead and praise or be mechavid 
what they do to endear their words or their practices. And yet here we have two instances uh, recorded in the Gemara Brachos over here of Tanaim doing that exact thing. So how could that possibly be that it is that it is Aser? So the answer to this is we're going to see is here we have uh, a short little thing from the uh, um, from the uh, 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 cut and pasted from the Tzitz Eliezer where he sort of summarizes some of his analysis and the conclusions based on what we uh, we've seen. So he says, I would have pulled it up for you, but I've never heard of the safer. So I don't know. It says, based Ofane Heter. So the Neve Shalom says that there are two different bases uh, for Heter, for leniency. One is, and this goes back to, I think one of the things that you mentioned, Art, is Bechivev below Siper. If you go ahead and you, in your own mind, you find their words to be endearing, you're, you're, uh, you're a fan of what, the, what they wrote but you don't go ahead and tell anybody else about it. So if you don't tell anybody else about it, so that is one allowance. So it's not a mental thing. It's the verbalizing, it's discussing with somebody else. Or, and this is one which is going to be significant in terms of our online review, is if you just go ahead and tell over what the, the non-Jew does, and you don't endear it, you don't say, I'm, I, I, I love this person in terms of the work which he does. You just say he was honest, he was clean, his, uh, his, uh, um, his uh, uh, estimate was accurate, and you're just recounting what happened without using adjectives which show that you are endear- which are endearing, that also is okay. And the fact that other people are going to say, oh, an honest, straightforward, uh, you know, clean uh, service provider, I love those people. So that you don't have to be concerned about that. You, it's not your business, the fact that the listeners are going to go ahead and endear themselves to that person or to his behavior or to his business practices. That's none of your business. The ISR is for, uh, uh, it would be a restriction against you doing so. And as long as you're just count, recounting what the person did without uh, um, praise, without endearing th- those particular behaviors, so that is actually is going to be okay. Then he says it could be that even in your own mind, to be endeared to it, where you don't recount it to another. So that there may be a chumrah to avoid that. We don't have to go into that now. And then he says another thing. He says, and this is going to be more based on the, uh, the source, which we just saw from, uh, from the Gemara Brachos in source eight, where he says, the whole reason why we, there is this prohibition in the first place, so remember back in the Rambam, his, his concern about endearing the behavior or the words of the idolater or the non-Jew is because if you become a fan of what they do or what they say, so you'll attach yourself to them and you'll want to emulate what they do. Who doesn't want to do good work? Who doesn't want to say good things? And you'll use this idolater, use this non-Jew as the model for your behavior. That would be bad. So says the Tzitz Eliezer, explains the Tzitz Eliezer, Zeu so this concern only arises when the idolater is engaged in activities or talking about things which are completely discretionary. The Oz also that's when you're not allowed to go ahead and praise their behavior. But let's say their behavior is something which is fits into the broad scheme of things of let's say Derech Eretz Kadma Torah. So their behavior is menshlechkeit. 
their behavior conforms with good etiquette, what one would expect to be good etiquette of people. And the Torah also promotes those same values and those same behaviors. So Lake Isura. So then there's no issue to go ahead and say that they are tzanua in the bathroom, because you know what? There's halachas about Jews being tzanua in the bathroom also. So since they happen to be exemplary in that regard, but it's a trait which Jews themselves should be doing, that the Tzitz Eliezer says, Lake Yisur, there's no issue to go ahead and praise them for something which Jews should be doing. Because the truth is, we should also be emulating their same ways. And that's really what was going on with Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Gamliel as they were praising the Madai people or the Persians for particular behaviors which they did. Though the praise that the, those Tanaim had for people of those nations were because those are also Torah values. And since those are also Torah values, so it's a, it becomes appropriate to go ahead and praise them because we want Jews to also do those same things. And therefore, that is going to be, uh, that will be another allowance for, uh, for Heter. So honesty in business, believe it or not, is also a Jewish value. It's something which we want people to be, to be honest, we want people to be clean. We want people to be, uh, uh, when they give an estimate, we want that to be a, an accurate estimate of what the job is going to be and not just trying to bait you into uh, hiring them and then inflating the price later on. So since honesty in business is a Jewish uh, value, to praise somebody who's honest in their business dealings. So that's something which we would say, we, we want people to go ahead and do, we want people to be fond of that. And therefore it is something we should be promoting regardless of the fact that you're seeing it now is being manifest in this particular non-Jew that's irrelevant because everybody should be doing these things anyways. So it's an appropriate thing to go ahead and praise. And then number three, he says, he says now, and this goes back to what you had mentioned, Bob, towards the beginning. He says, based on the analysis and the wording of the Rambam and Shulchan Aruch, he says, If you read the Rishonim carefully, read the, the sources carefully, you'll see that they all mention specifically idolaters, not non-Jews, but idolaters. And the Tzitz Eliezer now assumes that when they mention idolaters in this context, it means specifically idolaters. But if the person is not an idolater, it is permitted. And there's no uh, prohibition at all to talk in praise about the behaviors of a non-Jew or to, or to speak positively about something which they say or they write, they publish. As long as you know that the person is not an idolater. Now getting to the specific medical journal, he says when praising this article is something which is going to bring out positive medical results, when people see that this is a, uh, that the, this article got a bunch of thumbs up from other, you know, peer reviewed, they, they, they spoke of it positively. or something similar. Not only is it not awesome, but the opposite is true. It's a good idea to, to publicize and to praise those things. Like we're getting, we're getting closer to Hanukkah. So we say, So In order to get rid of whatever bad practices they, they were trying to avoid and to adopt the good practices, which will be beneficial for mankind. And for such things, like it says, it's going to be permitted under any circumstances. 
because he's now adapting that the Rishonim are not restricting the praise of non-Jews uh, altogether. It's going to be specifically, it's going to be idolaters. So as long as you don't know that the person who wrote that article or the service provider is an actual idolater, so you would be good to go. He goes ahead and cites many sources. One of them is the Sefer HaMitzvah of the Rambam himself, where he says, where he, where he codifies this halacha, is a mitzvah, you see he says, so he mentioned specifically idolaters, and therefore the, the prohibition is going to be limited to, uh, to idolaters, and it's not going to be applicable to all non-Jews. I'm, I'm confused. Um, earlier in the Shia, you quoted the Torah Tamima that this was uh, um, restricted to idolaters, no? And, and oh, no, right. no, that was just the Sheva Amim, sorry. Exactly, right. So that's why, that's why if you read the Tzitz Eliezer, he sort of, I want to say he misleads you, but on the journey of the explanation of Allah, he says, and don't think it's going to be a limited Isser, like the Torah Tamima says that it's, that, it's, that it's limited, because nobody says it's limited in that way. And then in the end, he says, it is limited, just not in the way the Torah Tamima said. Okay. So it's going to be limited not to the seven indigenous, indigenous nations. It's going to be limited to idolaters. So now he says in his final paragraph, we'll read this and then we'll, uh, we'll take questions. He says, He says, this whole Isra of Los and whether it's going to be the application of it in terms of giving a gift to a non-Jew for nothing, or whether it is giving, granting them residence in Eretz Yisrael, or whether it's going to be praising their behavior or things which they said, concludes that Tzitz Eliezer, it only applies to those who are Ovedi Avodazar. But if they're not an idolater, these restrictions don't apply. And there's no Isser at all to praise the behavior or to endear the words of a regular non-Jew, as long as you know that they're not uh, an idolater. And furthermore, when praising their uh, uh, submission to the medical journal, or you're one of the peers who's reviewing it to, uh, to make sure that people will accept the, uh, the paper. So if you go ahead and you're doing so, is going to be beneficial to the medical profession or similar types of things. As I it's a good idea to go ahead and uh, to, uh, to to promote it. As he says, as we said, that in all of this, none of these restrictions are going to apply. And therefore, his conclusion is certainly in the medical journal. So he was telling Dr. Abraham that it is perfectly acceptable to write a peer-reviewed uh, peer review of somebody's medical uh, submission, medical. Uh, journal submission, even if to go ahead and speak positively of them. And as far as, as we said, the, uh, the uh, 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 leaving a positive review for a service provider or somebody who's not an idolater, so that's, uh, it's okay as long as they're not an idolater. You might have to ask them if they're Catholic. <laughs> but as long as, they, uh, as long as they're not an idolater, that's going to be, that's going to be acceptable. And furthermore, if what you're praising are uh, attributes and traits and behaviors which are really very consistent with Torah values anyways, and these are values and behaviors which we would want Jews to follow, there also is basis for the, uh, to, uh, to be allowed, and that will be true even if the person is an idolater, because ultimately we want to promote good Torah value behavior, and if you happen to see it by a non-Jew, so it doesn't, that doesn't take away from the fact that this is a value which we promote, 
and therefore that would be allowed even in the case that they are uh, the person is an Oved Avodazar. So that's what we have. Is- Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.